All right, everyone, welcome to New Life. Glad to have you guys here with us. If you would, go ahead and find a seat. That would be awesome. That would be helpful. Uh, I want to take a quick moment to say hello to all of you that are here today. Uh, our, our folks at New Life that are normal. Uh, this is your church that you normally come and worship at. Uh, not just the normal New Life people. Uh, I also want to say hello to all the weird New Life people. Um, right, right. And you know who you are. Um, but I, I also want to take, uh, take this quick moment just to say hi to all of those that are worshiping with us down in the venue, as well as those that are worshiping with us at our Kearney campus. So today, wherever you are, uh, know this, we love you, we're for you, and uh, we are actually better together. You're sitting in one of three auditoriums right now. Uh, you are sitting in one of four worship services that we have here at, uh, at New Life Church, whether it's at our Kearney campus or out at our North Platte campus. I also want to say a big hello to all those that are worshiping with us online as well. Uh, so listen, my name is Jeff. I'm one of the pastors on staff here, and it's a joy to serve this church. I do think that we've got an incredible church, and God has blessed us with some amazing, incredible people. Um, so thank you for being, being those people. We are wrapping up a teaching series that we entitled End of Days. Today will be the last Sunday in the End of Days sermon series. Please, please note, I don't want to see anything on Facebook or Twitter that says that Pastor Jeff said that it's the end of day, right? Um, and that this is the last day. I, that's not what I'm saying. This is just the last sermon in the teaching series called End of Days. I just want to make that really clear, all right? Uh, when Jesus comes back, it's completely up to him, but know this, he can come at any time. And today, that's kind of why we're going through this teaching series, is to make sure that you're, you're living the life. You're living the life that Jesus is looking for. A lot of people are intrigued with the end of times. We've talked about this, you know, over these past few weeks, we've, we've discussed this issue. But one thing that we know for certain, without any kind of like question, is that the Bible clearly defines for us what the character of man will be like at the end of days. And if it tells us what the character of man is like, then it's easy for us, it's easy for us to discern then what the, the, the Christ-centered character ought to be like. That's what we're trying to live for. We're trying to figure out how to live a more Christ-centered character, even though we are living at the end of days. So to get started, I wanted to go back to the passage that we're looking at and read some of what we've already looked at. We've been studying out of 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 4 so far. Today we're going to be diving into another verse, but I just thought it'd be good for us just to recap here for a moment. So would you just read with me? Um, read to yourself as I, as I read these first few verses for us. This is kind of what we've preached and gone through in this teaching series. Paul is writing to Timothy. Um, Timothy is a pastor now at a community. Paul is his mentor. And he says these words to him. He goes, Timothy, basically, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. That's true. For people will love only themselves and their money. People in the last days will also do these things, though. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. He, goes, he continues on. In the last days, uh, people, they'll act like this as well. They will, they will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others, and they'll have no self-control. They'll be cruel, and they'll hate what is good. And he continues, he says in the last days that they will, they will betray their friends, they'll be reckless, they'll be puffed up with pride, and they'll love pleasure rather than loving God. 
This is a description of the heart, the character of man in the days in which you and me live. That without God's spirit, this is the people that we could most naturally become. All of them, part of some of those attributes that were mentioned. But you see this, it's permeated our culture. You can just look at this and overlay it on on top of our culture and you can see how we have become this very passage of scripture. So if you're, if you're interested in, this is your first Sunday, uh, and you want to track with us on this particular teaching series, please know this. You can go to our website, mynewlifechurch.com, where you can watch the last few sermons in this teaching series. They're all archived there, and I would encourage you, if this is your first week with us, maybe you've been on vacation, you've been out of town, or maybe you're visiting with us, and uh, you're, you're saying, hey, listen, I love this place, man. I want to stick around this place. Then you, I would encourage you, please go back and take a look at those uh, it will help, uh, help you get on track with where we're at. So in taking this then to the final step today, we're going to be looking at verse 5 in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Take a look at it with me. It says that in verse 5, that in the end of days, that people, they will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. And then Paul says these words, stay away from people like that. Stay away from them. Sounds harsh. I got it. But when you think about it, they'll act religious and they will deny the true power. Why would he tell us to stay away? Because he loves, he loves us. That's why. Why would he tell Timothy, Timothy, tell your church this? Because he loves Timothy. And he loves, he loves the church where Timothy's at. He would say, stay away. Why? Because it can be contagious for your very own faith. So what are the, what are the pieces in here that we can grab a hold of? You know, in, in light of what the heart of man will be like, how should we live as people that are wanting to be more Christ-centered? And, and the first thing I would draw your attention to is this. We need to be, we need to be people that live a non-fiction life. Live a non-fiction life. Now, for some of you, you're sitting there right now and you're, you're going, oh man, I gotta go back to like fourth or fifth grade, what, third grade maybe even, uh, fiction, non-fiction. What's the difference? Okay, I got it. I'm gonna ease your pain for a moment, okay? Uh, very, very simple. Does anybody see Star Wars? Who watched Star Wars? Let me see Star Wars people. Come on. Okay, that's good. Uh, all the excited people about Star Wars are probably in North Platte right now. Got it. All right. If you saw Star Wars, fiction or nonfiction? Fiction. That's right. Because Star Wars, although some of you wish that it was true, it's not true. All right? And um, it's what story. It's made up. It's, uh, it's a thought in someone's mind. It's a part of someone's imagination. You know, it's something that doesn't have any bearing of truth right now. Um, maybe some of those science fiction type things come true. I don't know, but uh, they're not true now. It's fiction completely, All right? But nonfiction would then be living something that's reality, something that has facts to it, something that is tangible, something that is real. And in this verse, right at the very beginning, go back to the very beginning, it said this, that they will what? act religious. They'll act religious, basically meaning this. They will become something that they are not. They will be more fiction than the nonfiction. They will be living somewhat of a lie. That's not the kind of people that we're striving for. That's not the kind of attitude that we're going after. But unfortunately, when Paul writes this to Timothy, he's not writing it just about people that aren't attending Timothy's church. He's also writing it to people that could be attending his very church. That means that this scripture today 
still deals with people that are in the church that are hearing my voice right now that are in one of those three locations or sitting at home watching online, that it is possible that people that call themselves new livers are acting religious. Living out a life that looks good on the outside, but on the inside it's corrupt. Saying the right words as if you really know what you're talking about, but in your heart you know you can't really connect the dots. Believing, trying to believe something that you don't believe, trying to portray the fact that you believe it, but yet you don't live it. Acting religious, it's a cancer to the church. It's a cancer to Christianity. It becomes the very thing that's killing, stealing, and destroying from us the very life that God wants to bring. So acting religious, that's how the New Living Translation says it, but the, the NIV, the New International Version, says that they, that they would have a form of godliness. That in the end of days, people would have a form of of godliness. So when you go back to the original language that the Bible was written in and you look at these words form of godliness and act religious. And you and you look at those words form and act. Those those actually obviously are the same word and they go back to an origin that deals with the concept. In fact, the actual word would be morphous. To morta, to you know become something that you are not to actually, you know, metamorphic change. It would be metamorph, metamorphous. Have you ever heard that word? That you, you, are, you become something else? To act or have a form of godliness, to have a metamorphic change, to be something that you really aren't. Like, I'm a sci-fi guy. I mean, I just brought up Star Wars a minute ago. I would love to see, you know, a lightsaber become real. I mean, that would be pretty cool. Pretty cool. Um, it'd be pretty, pretty awesome. Or to be able to, you know, go from one from one set of planets to another set. I mean, it'd be pretty cool. But in science, in science fiction, there's this character that shows up often, and he's a shapeshifter. Anybody seen a movie or something like that as a shapeshifter? The kind of person that has the ability to, you know, look like one person and then all of a sudden look like another. Like they look like one, and but then they, 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 all of a sudden they look like the president. You know, they're trying to deceive and they're trying to trick. Although that seems really, really cool, you know, wouldn't it be cool at times to, you know, act or look like your brother or look like your sister to try to get them in trouble and then go back to your normal self? I mean, yes, there could be some fun stuff that could be done with all of that. But obviously, it's all what? Fiction or nonfiction? Fiction, thank you. Just wanted to see if we're both living in reality. Um, so, yeah, so it's kind of like that. It's like, it's shape, it's, it's a shape-shifting religion. And, you know, when we're, when we're acting that way, when we're acting out things that we aren't, it brings a lot of harm and pain to people. You know, in this world that, in which we live in right now, we've got people that are terrorists, and they are acting like tourists until they, you know, discharge their bomb. Unfortunately, in the world we live in, and people are, people are hurt by this uh, almost every day, young men, teenagers, men in their, men in their 20s, primarily, although it could be others, that are not true men, that are not real men, that are not godly men, that try to, you know, act like they love this girl and so, this, so that the girl will have sex with him, and then once that's done, then the guy, the guy leaves and moves on. And some of you have experienced even that pain in your own personal life. When we act like something that we aren't, it brings pain. It brings pain to, your, it brings pain to yourself, it brings pain to others. The same thing happens in the church when we're acting out a religion, but we really don't believe it in our heart. It brings pain to you and brings pain to others. 
If you're a dad and you're listening to my voice, because we're men, all right? So let's just go man to man for a moment, right? Alpha male to alpha male for a second. If you are acting religious in your home, if you're trying to be the person that's acting like you're religious but you really aren't, let me just tell you what you're doing to your kids. You're setting your kids up for destruction. You're setting your kids up for disaster. If you're not going to, be, if you're not going to live what you believe, then just come right out and be a man and say it. I don't believe it. It'd be better on your kids than it would be for you to say you, you believe something but you don't live it, that you act religious. The same thing can go for moms, all right? But I'm not gonna go there. <laughs> we can just stay, we can just stay man to man for a moment, all right? Are we, are we good there? Are we, are we okay there? <laughs> It's one thing for, most men aren't going to write me an email. But if I go, I go to the other place. But it's the truth. It's the truth. When we act religious, we bring harm, we bring pain. So let me just give you a couple thoughts here today, all right? You, you, might, you might be able to fool some people, but you can't fool God. And I, I'm just going to make, this is the, the best suggestion, the best words of instruction I can give you. Instead of acting religious... Come to God and confess, I'm hollow and I'm fake. That'd be your best move today. Your best move today, if you sense at all that, man, you're part of those, that end day, heart of man, I act more religious than what I really am, it'd be best for you just to confess to God and say, I'm hollow and fake, God. You know what you're going to find? You're going to find God who says words like this, welcome home, son. I love you. Welcome home, daughter. I love you. You're not going to find God wanting to beat you up, you know. You're not going to find God making you go to the cross. He already sent his son to the cross to experience all the pain that's needed to be experienced. What God's looking for you to do is to find ultimate freedom. Freedom is found when we confess. It's not found in the motions, in doing the motions of church. It's found when we humble ourselves before the creator of church. Before the creator of the church. That's Jesus. That's who you want to run to. A second thing that I might you know, suggest to you as well is this. Some of you are acting religious because you're hanging on to some kind of a past experience that you had with God, trying to maximize it, milk out of it every ounce of fuel that you can get out of that one experience instead of continuing to have more and more encounters with God. You're acting more like a, like a movie that played one time called Groundhog Day. You're acting in a spiritual way more like Bill Murray in Groundhog Day, reliving the same day over and over and over and over again. And some of your spirituality is reliving the Sunday over and over and over again, trying to milk out some past experience with God. Let me just tell you today, stop trying to milk out some past experience with God and start creating daily encounters with God. That will bring life. If you don't do that, you're going to live out the character of man versus a Christ-centered character. So here's some, of the, here's some of the best advice I can give you if you want to stop trying to milk out the one experience from your past and start creating encounters with God daily. I would suggest you do this. Start reading the script. A good actor reads the script. Good actors don't get up in front of the camera and just go, I'm going to say whatever I want to say. No, they don't have jobs very long. 
And nor will you have Christianity very long unless you get back to the script, back to God's word, and you start reading what the script really has to say, not just for what you can figure out up here so that you can live it in here. Are you with me? Go back to the script. Read the script. Let me tell you another thing that would be a great thing to do, right? If you find yourself acting out more religious acts than actually being Christ-centered, be this. Meet with the director on a regular basis. You know what? I can just, I can, I'm going to tell you straight up, right? I'm not some movie star, but I'm just going to tell you. If, you're, if you are acting in a movie with a director and you go and meet with the director, you're not going to meet with the director and tell the director what to do. No, you're going to meet with the director and you're going to say, how can I, how can I do this part better? How can, I, how can I fulfill your vision for this scene better? See, that's exactly what we need to be doing with God. We need to come before God and stop acting spiritual, right? And literally get the character of God by meeting with the director and saying, how can I live more like Christ in this scene of my life? How can I live more like Christ in this area of my life? How can I, God, you know, with my family and at work and with my finances or whatever it is with you, how can I, how can I live a more Christ-centered character in this particular area, belief, or relationship? You see what I'm saying? Read the script so it gets in your heart. Meet with the, meet with the director in prayer and do it often. Do it as often as you have time to do it. But I'm going to tell you this. If you wait until you have time, most likely it's not going to happen. You're going to have to carve out time. It's important. Actors meet with directors. So, so do followers of Christ meet with the master director. We have to be doing it. Right? Or, else, or otherwise we're going to be living a life of fiction. A life that's fake. That's hollow. That has no life to it. We'll end up becoming the people that are acting out religion instead of really knowing the creator and making him known and in this day and age in which we live let's not drift to that man-centered character let's drift to a christ-centered character so this verse though went on and it also it also maybe instructed us to live a a pro pro christ life live pro christ now you might go hey man this is church why I mean, do you really have to say that i mean we're here aren't we I know that you're here. I'm so glad that you're here, right? But I just know that Sunday mornings, Sunday mornings, there's tons of people that are coming that are having questions about who God is. What does it mean to have a relationship with God? That's why we have church on Sundays. It's one of our big reasons, one of our main core reasons why we come together is because this is the moment where people get to come, they get to hear the good news of Jesus so that we can go out there and live the game. You've heard me say it often, and this is football season, so it's a great moment to say it again. This is halftime. Here on Sunday right now, this is halftime. This is not where the game gets played. The game gets played out there. So we come in, we meet with the coach, and we get the game plan, and we go out, and then we live it. So to live pro-Christ, where do I get that? Where's that really coming from? Well, let's go back to our key scripture for a moment. In 2 Timothy 3, 5, remember after it said that they'll act religious, but they will, read this with me, reject the power. They'll reject the power that could make them godly. Rejecting the power, right? When you, when you look at that, you get a couple of words. 
depending on which version you, you read, you get the word rejecting the power, but you also get the word denying the power. What power is it that people will be rejecting and denying at these end of days? They'll be rejecting and denying the authenticity of Jesus. That's the power that we're talking about here. That Jesus is the Son of God. They'll be rejecting it. They'll be rejecting the fact that Jesus actually came. They'll be rejecting the fact that Jesus gave his life on the cross and that was enough and nothing else is needed. They'll be rejecting the fact that Jesus is God's one and only son. Now you might say to yourself, well, that's not me, Jeff. Well, praise God. I, I mean, that's awesome. But there's so many little crevices, there's so many little pieces that go along with this rejecting piece. And, G, and I'll tell you this right now, Satan Satan wants a church that acts religious and denies the power because that's a powerless church. He, he would love to have churches with the name New Life on them all over the world, full of people that are acting religious and denying the power. It doesn't threaten him. Come to church, have amazing worship. Have someone stand up and, you know, do 30 minutes worth of jokes and funny things and, you know, say whatever they want and, you know, hyperboles and opinions and all this kind of stuff and never crack open God's word and encourage people just to go and be good people. He would love auditoriums, you know, thousands and thousands, millions of people. In fact, let all of humanity gather in churches that are powerless and deny the power and just act religious. It doesn't threaten them at all because a powerless church it holds people in the trap of religion. In a powerless church, it withholds the true power of Jesus from the community. That's not the kind of church New Life is going to be. That's not the kind of church that we are. We're not a church that just wants to act religious for the sake of going through religious things. We are definitely not a church that denies the power of Christ. We believe that Jesus gave his life on the cross. We believe that Jesus rose again from the grave. We believe that Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father, waiting for the Father to say, go get your church, and that the rapture will happen. We believe that there is the Holy Spirit who God has here moving in the hearts of people. We believe that through the Holy Spirit that the fruit of the Spirit should be lived out in our lives with joy and peace and so on and so forth. We believe that the Holy Spirit has a power for us to live our lives righteous before God in our community, and we believe that God has hasn't given up on people and that through Christ men and women can still have a relationship with God that's some of the stuff that we believe here at this church and that's just the beginning don't even get me started that's a whole nother sermon I would love the emails from that one though because they would all be like amen pastor that's awesome love it so Satan wants a powerless church God wants a powerful church we have to then fight in our hearts to be people that don't reject and don't deny and don't refuse the power of Christ. It sounds easy, but it's not as easy as it sounds. This world has trappings and gadgets and things that are all around us that have the ability to try to sway us and take away you know, from us the, the true essence of who Jesus is. We are in a battle 
And there is, there's no other way to really define it for you, but you are in a battle today for the, for the health of your soul and your spirit. You're in a battle that the enemy wants to come kill, steal, and destroy. You're in a battle trying to stay away from rejecting, denying, and refusing the true power of God. And let me just tell you this, if you give into it even a little bit, there are grave and great consequences that come with it. I began to look at the word deny. I began to study the word deny, and I quickly came across this particular verse. Take a look at it with me in 1 John 2, 22. Anyone who denies, same word, it's the exact same word. Anyone who denies the Father and the Son is a what? Whoa, man, that's like strong language. Why does the Bible have to use a strong language? Dial it down a little bit. Anyone who denies the Father and the Son is an antichrist. No. We're dealing with the end of days, so I think this is just appropriate, right? And Antichrist. We're talking two different Antichrists. There's the Antichrist that you watch the movies about. He is the Antichrist, capital A. And then there are many Antichrists. The spirit of, of the Antichrist that is talked about in 1 John uh, chapter 4 uh, that's written there, it, he deals with this attitude that there's this spirit of the Antichrist that's trying to permeate the hearts of men and women, trying to permeate the church, which would cause us to drift to a place of denial, of rejection, or even refusal. So we're not talking about the main Antichrist. We're talking about people in the church that are starting to deny the very power of Jesus. Deny the power of Jesus. They can say it maybe with their lips, but they're denying the power of Christ at work in their own life. And that's part of what we're dealing with here in this small a Antichrist. Another, another verse in 1 John, as he's writing about this Antichrist concept, he says, dear children, the last hour is here. Love that. You have heard that the Antichrist, the main Antichrist is coming. And already many such, what? Antichrists have appeared. Wow, that's interesting. Lower A. So the Antichrist is coming and already many such Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that the last hour has come. That's the time in which you and me live right now. We live in a time period where the Antichrist, capital A, is still to come. But between now and then, many Antichrists, they have appeared before us. They will appear after us. And they are appearing even now. And they are even permeating the church. It is the spirit of the Antichrist that's trying to permeate the church to eradicate it, to sterilize it, to dumb it down to dumb down and sterilize the true power of Christ. That's what the spirit of the Antichrist is trying to do at the end of days. And he's saying that many have appeared and that many will come. I would say to you this, who cares who the capital A Antichrist will be? It doesn't matter. What really matters is this. Are you aware of the working of the spirit of the Antichrist and how he's trying to attack you and me today and how he's trying to sterilize the church from the power of Jesus. Forget about who the real one is. I'm more concerned about is the spirit of the Antichrist at work in me? But, you know, dealing with who is the real Antichrist and who's not the real Antichrist, I Googled it. I was like, all right, who is the real Antichrist? I mean, wow, guys, there's crazy stuff out there, right? But I did come across this website that you could actually enter the name of a person and it had some kind of mathematical algorithm that would let you know 
if that person's the Antichrist or not. So I was highly intrigued. And I went to the website, and first thing I did, just to make sure, I started entering all of our staff, pastoral staff names. <laughs> I entered them all. None of them came up with the number 666. I was like, whew, okay. All right, we're good. So I took a big, deep breath. I entered my name. We're all good. We're all good so far. Then I decided, well, wow, I should probably enter the deacons' names. That's when a whole other thing happened. So I don't know what that means, but we'll figure that out at the next deacon board meeting. All right? So we'll, we're cleaning house. So I'm just, no, I'm just joking. All right, no. So nobody, nobody in our church came up as the Antichrist. Praise God. We're good to go. All right? We're good to go. But what really matters is this, the spirit of the Antichrist. He is, he is at work. And he's trying to sterilize and eradicate the power of Jesus from the church. It means he's trying to eradicate it from you. So how would you know if the spirit of the Antichrist is truly at work or not? And so to do that, I went back and I started really doing a, a, really a deep study on just the word anti. When it shows up in the Bible, anti and then Christ. So the word anti in the original language really has two, two essences to it, has two sides to a coin, if you will, that defines what it means to be anti. So here's the first one, instead of. Instead of. So instead of Jesus, what do I put there? Myself, primarily. It's to put your trust and your hope in yourself. But it also could be a thing. It could be like money. It could be a person. It could be a whole host of things. That to be anti, to, see, to sense if, and to know whether the spirit of the Antichrist is at work in your life, it, are you inserting something instead of Jesus? Are you putting your hope, are you putting your trust in something instead of Jesus? Because if the answer to that has any bearing of yes to it, or maybe, then it's possible that yes, even the enemy who operates with the spirit of the Antichrist is at work even in your own hearts because instead of is so subtle, it is so subtle. And isn't that how the enemy works? The enemy works in subtle ways at the beginning, but what's his ultimate goal? His ultimate goal is to get you to the second side of the coin of the word anti, which is to be against. So it starts with instead of, and then it moves to against. How subtle would it be for the enemy to be at work in our hearts in this anti-Christ fashion of rejecting and denying the power of God and just putting us or something else instead of Jesus that we would trust and put our hope in. You can see how quickly that spirit can start to permeate our hearts and permeate our church. It doesn't have to even get all the way to anti, but I'm gonna tell you this right now. When the enemy's at work, he doesn't stop halfway. His desire is to kill, steal, and destroy. So what's the, si the other side of the coin of the rejection? It's when the enemy comes to you and he starts lying, whispering into your ear, like God doesn't love you. Why, why are you going through all of this? He doesn't care about you. I mean, if there was a God, then why didn't he show up when all hell broke loose in your life? Right? I mean, seriously, you're going to believe that some God, some place that you haven't seen and you haven't, you know, heard from and you, you don't even know what he's up to. He's probably asleep someplace, maybe, if he even exists at all, that he created all of this. 
I mean, come on. Modern science can tell you that it was from some kind of cosmic collision of things that took place. And they've got all the answers. Put your hope there. Right? And all kinds of lies, like, look how much man is able to do. God is just a myth. And the lies go on, and they go on, and they go on, and they go on. He always nags. He's always trying to get you from just putting something in place of God to getting you to a place where you are against God. And he wants to do that in any little sliver, in any little percentage of your heart or of your mind that he can get his filthy hands on. And by the way, the spirit of the Antichrist is the forerunner to the capital A Antichrist. His work in the hearts of mankind right now is preparing the way for the big Antichrist to show up on the scene and for men and women to go, oh yeah, you got the answers, that's right. This is no minor thing. This is a major thing that's at work in the heart of man today. And if we cave to it in any sense or form, then we're drifting towards more of a heart of man at the end of days versus a heart of Christ at the end of days. The enemy, he's seriously at work. The full-blown surrender to the spirit of the Antichrist would show up in more, maybe more uh, common terms like atheism. There is no God. Or agnostic belief, which would say, you know, I, there's no way to prove that there is a God or multiple gods, but I'll guarantee you one thing, that full-blown exposure and surrender to the spirit of the Antichrist will definitely cause a lot of anger and rage inside of you toward God. Be that sense of anger and rage, but man, I've got good news for you today. That might start with the denial and the rejection and the refusal of God's power, but when you look at the antithesis of the words denial and rejection, when you look at just the opposite in the original language, just the opposite of denial and rejection is this word. It is just the opposite of it, confession, to confess. You know what makes that so powerful? What Romans 10 has to say? That if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. It's awesome. It's beautiful. I love the fact that those who deny have the spirit of the Antichrist at work in their lives, but those who confess have the spirit of God working in their life. What? What an opposite. Where should we be drifting to? Not drifting. You should be running with an attitude of confession before God and an attitude of belief before God. Man, that's where we should be running to. Why? Because 2 Timothy chapter 3 told us that the power that they're rejecting has the ability to make you godly. No, not God, but to make you godly. What does it mean? To make you righteous. Why do you have to reject something if the other side of it isn't true? They're rejecting the true power of God that can cause you to live righteous and powerful in this world, an example of Jesus, no matter what you're facing right now, no matter what temptation is trying to overcome you, no matter what struggle you're facing right now, the, don't reject the power that has the ability to make you godly. Don't reject the power that has the ability to cause you to live an example for Jesus in this world that keeps getting darker and darker. Don't reject it, run to it. Jesus is the one who has life. Run to him. In him we'll find life. In him we'll be changed forever. One thing I know about the Antichrist, big capital A Antichrist, the book of Revelation makes it super clear. One day after he is in power, Jesus will show up. It describes Jesus as a powerful king. 
riding an amazing horse. And it says that out of his mouth, out of his mouth comes a sword. Out of his mouth comes a word. Out of his mouth, his breath is breathed. Out of his mouth, a word comes and it strikes down the Antichrist. It's not some big battle. It's not some MMA fight that goes on round after round after round. Jesus shows up on the scene and with the words of his mouth, with the breath of his mouth, he destroys and kills the Antichrist. What does that mean for you today? If the spirit of the Antichrist has any grip on your heart today, has any grip on your mind today, the breath of Jesus has the ability to set you free. What do we need to do? We need to run to him. We need to confess before him. Confess to him. I'm hollow and I'm fake. I've believed a lie and I've started to deny your power in this area of my life. I've started to reject your authority in this area of my life. Run to him and let the breath of Jesus speak life into you. Let him meet you right where you're at today because no matter who you are or where you've been, I know this one thing. God loves you. He wants to meet you right where you are and he wants to speak life into you. When we confess and not reject or deny that he is King of kings and Lord of lords and believe it in our heart, you meet face to face with him and he transforms and he changes you. And if he can destroy the capital A Antichrist, he can definitely destroy the little a spirit of the Antichrist that might be trying to be, have his work in your heart even this very day. That's good news. So let me end with this one last verse today. It's found in Romans 13, 11. This is all the more urgent for you to know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Wake up. Wake up from your slumber. Wake up from your lethargic spirituality, if that's you. Wake up. If you're running after God, awesome. Wake up and keep running harder. I praise God for you. Right? Wake up. Those of you that hunger after Christ, wake up because he has a solution for you. Our salvation is drawing nearer and nearer. Yes, that's right, because the end of days is upon us. And the last hours of what we're living are the last hours of the end of days. It is true. That's what the Bible tells us. So wake up. Wake up and experience the power of Jesus today. Wake up and run back to him and stop trying to live on some past experience and start creating new encounters with God today. The altars and all of our locations are for hungry people that want to wake up and go, God, I want all that you have for me today. I don't want to miss anything that you've got. I want all that you have for me today. So church, wake up today. Grab a hold of Christ. Let's flee from our sin. Let's flee from the, the pursuit of self. You know, putting ourselves in place of God. Let's flee from those things and run to God today. Let's wake up and let's hunger after Jesus. He has the solution that we're looking for. So today, our worship teams are gonna come in just a moment. They're gonna lead us in worship. It's your moment. It's up to you, right? I can't, at this moment, I gotta, I'm just turning it back to you. I would just encourage you, don't go through acts of worship in these next few moments. Don't just sing to sing. Don't just stand to stand. 
Don't just do things to do it. Come before God with a hungry heart and go, God, help me to wake up to you today. Help me to open my eyes up and really see who you are. Lord, fill me with the power of your spirit. Come before God today and confess, you are king of kings. You are Lord of lords. There is none like you. I believe in you, Jesus. Come before him with that heart and see if God doesn't meet you in a powerful way today. Why don't you stand with me? Let's wrap up in prayer. Lord, as we come into your presence today, we're assured of many things, but one of those is this, that you are here with us right now and that the power of your spirit is at work in this church and in our lives. Lord, you're pulling on our hearts. You're, you're striving for us, Lord, to, to hear your voice and to run after you. Lord, to pursue you with all of our heart. So today, God, we come hungry. We come asking, Holy Spirit, wake us up on the inside. That we would confess that you're King of kings and Lord of lords. That, Lord, you would eradicate, kill, and destroy with the word of your mouth, the authority that you carry, the spirit of the Antichrist that's at work in, this, in, our, in our church, at work in our, in our state, at work in our country, and at work in our world to try to separate man from you. Lord, wake us up. That we would run after you with a sincere heart, with all of our heart, grabbing hold of Jesus today and not letting go. Grabbing hold of you and not letting go. Have your way in us. In Jesus' name, amen.